Well, to all of our moms, happy Mother's Day. We hope this is a blessed day for you and really to all of our ladies. And we know that Mother's Day uh, for most is a very enjoyable day, but it can also be mixed feelings. Uh, perhaps your relationship with mom was difficult or you longed to be a mom and that never came your way in life. Uh, know from that video that ladies, you can play and do play an important role in our lives regardless, even of the familial connections. So we're glad that you're here, and uh, I am glad today that I have some help preaching the sermon today while I'm my wife. So, hey. And so we thought we would start with uh, a little tribute to our own moms. And so I'm going to go first and tell you about my mom. She was uh, just quite a personality. I love her, miss her. Um, this is uh, the first Mother's Day without her uh, in our lives, and so I can relate to maybe that that's the case. Uh, but mom was a passionate lady. She was a leader, very outspoken. At her funeral, one of the things I said was mom was very good at having strong opinions. How's <laughs> uh, that for a nice way to put that? And so uh, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, we're going to show some pictures. And the first picture needs a little explanation. Uh, we're going to go back to our beginning. This is our wedding. And the guy in the middle was me. <laughs> um, so time has not been kind. Uh, the rest of it, I'm just going to, you want to just circle through, but I want to share momism. So my mom was known for things that she would say. And so I remember as a kid, she really passed on her creativity to me and to us because when we were bored, she would say, you're bored? Go make something. Uh, go draw something. Go paint something. And so always be in the creative aspect of things. And I appreciate that to this day. Uh, when I was young, I remember hearing the statement, I'll give you something to cry about. I remember the first time I used it as a parent, it felt good. <laughs> uh, she, her love language was, was food. And so eat, eat. I was force fed my whole life till the day she died. Um, and uh, she also was very cost conscious. And so my sister and I both say, you know, we knew how much every bite of meat cost in our mouth. I paid a dollar ninety nine a pound for that. You eat that, you know. And if that didn't work, there are starving children in India. Eat your meal, right? So... Um, she built confidence in us. I remember her saying so many times, you don't have to take a back seat to anyone. Go on, go for it. And then uh, both of her parents were immigrants from Hungary through Ellis Island. Uh, so there's that old world feel in our family uh, living in Cleveland. And so Hungarian would sneak, she was bilingual. She could speak to her parents in that. So every once in a while, some Hungarian words would come through. When she said zapad, that was, Zapad's like, you're a pain in the neck, okay? And then Neklavesh, if you're going to get a Neklavesh, I came to find out that meant something like a slap in the neck. Anyways, if you heard those words, you did not want to, want to be around, so. Um, she was good for homeopathic remedies. I'm not sure that they were legit or not, but one of them. <laughs> Try this. If you're constipated, go sit on cold concrete. It'll give you diarrhea. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> If I had a dollar for every time she said these next two, one of them, she said, I carried you under my heart. Uh, when she met Joyce, she told Joyce, I carried him under my heart. Like, you know. <laughs> and then she called me. I was her number one son. And I would say, Mom, I'm your only son. <laughs> but you're my number one son. So I wore, wore that medal with proud. Uh, she would also, if I had a dollar for every time, she here's what you should say. I mean, in my adulthood, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church, a couple thousand people. Here's what you should say. I would say, Mom, what should I say? I don't know what to say, you know, so. Uh, and then she had this phrase. I didn't know where it came from till last night. Evidently, I've always been kind of a dreamer, visionary type. And growing up, I remember her breaking out into song. He's a dreamer. You'll never change him. So I guess it didn't change me. And then last night, people texted me that they looked it up. Tony Bennett has a song. He's a dreamer. So anyways. 
Um, my daughter, I called Lauren on, on my way to work yesterday, and she said, well, Grandma had sayings with us. And she said, if Jonathan and I were in the back seat, and she was driving somewhere, and we gave her advice, she would say, I've lived a lot longer than you. I do not need any advice. <laughs> her best advice that I followed uh, is that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Be prepared. And because I followed that, I do look forward someday to seeing her again. So that's just a, a peek inside look at my mom. And uh, now we're going to turn to uh, the best mother-in-law in the world, uh, Joyce's mom. We'll go back to our, our wedding day again. So in getting ready for this weekend, I must have been a little nervous. This is a true story. I woke up yesterday morning and I said, Stan, you're not going to believe what I dreamt. He goes, what'd you dream? I said, I dreamt I auditioned for American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember singing a Carol King song first, and then they said, could you sing something else? But the judges looked like this audience. <laughs> and so I woke up before I really found out if I made it or not. But for my confidence level up here right now, I'm going to assume not only did I make it, but I'm in the top 10. So don't you judge me up here because I don't do this that often. <laughs> so I want to share a little bit about my mom. I've, I don't think I've ever done this before, but it is a privilege to honor my mom on this Mother's Day. This woman helped shape my life. She was born... Her name was Johnny, Johnny Evelyn Griffith. Her married name was Fanoni. My grandpa's name was Guy Griffith, and my grandma's name was Winnie Walker. Is that the cutest thing? Guy Griffith married, Win married Winnie Walker. I think, I think that's cute. Anyways, they had five children, and they were from Alabama, lived in a tiny town in Alabama. My mom was a perseverer. She didn't have an easy life. Her dad died suddenly when she was only 14 years old, and she was very, very close to her dad over the years she would talk about him. My grandma now left with five children to feed and wasn't working, had no assistance. And in this tiny town, there really wasn't work. So my grandma had to find an industrialized city where she moved those five kids, left 13 siblings, and migrated north to Akron, Ohio, because at that time, Akron was a booming city known as the tire capital of the world. You had the headquarters of Goodyear Tire, Goodyear Aerospace, Firestone, BF Goodrich, and General Tire. But once they moved, sadly, my mom had to quit high school to care for her younger siblings. And unfortunately, she was never able to get her driver's license. Losing her dad changed the trajectory of her entire life. And what that did for me was I wanted to take advantage of opportunities that my mom didn't have. Mm -hmm. I could not wait to get my driver's license. The minute I you know, was able to get my temps and then was able to get my driver's license, I wanted to be more independent and I was able to take my mom places. And then I also wanted to get a higher education. My mom had such a sweet spirit. She was very unassuming, yeah. kind to everybody, hard worker, very hard worker. And she took good care of herself. And my mom, you know, she liked the bright red lipstick and pink lipstick. This is from my mom. And I love it. I don't care who likes it or not. I like it. So. And I, it, I like it too. <laughs> 
My mom modeled contentment, and she passed that along to her three kids. Oh, wait, you forgot. She's a great cook. Oh, yeah. She was a great I southern would know. cook. Yeah. All right. You yeah. liked, she made the best, oh, uh, best turkey Thanksgiving ever. turkey ever. And you know what I liked was her um, southern chicken and dumplings and the whole old-fashioned, where, you know, you roll it out and you make them. I have that recipe. Anyway, she modeled contentment. She passed it along to we should, us. We should celebrate Mother's Day and go home and make one of her recipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Swing in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't have much growing up, but you know, as kids, we didn't know it. I don't know what you guys you know, thought when you were kids, but we did not grow up with an electric washer and dryer. Um, didn't have a dishwasher or garbage disposal. We didn't have a shower, and I had real long hair at that time, and I don't remember, like back then, we used to even like try to iron our hair, but I would hang my head over the tub and wash, and wash my hair. We had one car. Um, since my mom didn't drive, and it's a whole different story, but my, my dad wouldn't take us a lot of places, so I learned to walk. We learned to walk. We walked everywhere, and we were not in the city where there were sidewalks. Mm -hmm. We walked in the country. We had clothes, we had food, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized, you know, I really didn't grow up with a lot, but, but we were okay. My yeah. mom modeled contentment. She never wanted or asked for things, and she truly was content with what she had. My mom was not a critical lady. No. She saw the good in people, rarely complained, not a gossiper. In fact, I have many cousins, and all my cousins, they used to say, you know, Aunt Johnny was the nice one out of the bunch. <laughs> she was, too. <laughs> you know how, like, if you have a bunch of aunts and uncles, there's usually some that are kind of, but uh, my, mom was a real, my mom was a really nice lady. She loved, loved God. And having us kids in church was important to her. Now, because she couldn't drive, um, she, and my, my dad wouldn't take us, she contacted this large Baptist church, Akron Baptist Temple, who was known for their huge bus ministry and arranged for a bus to come out on Sundays and pick us kids up. Now, the thing that I admire most about my mom, she didn't send us. She went with us. And we, we, um, we got on this bus an hour and a half, two hours before church, and we would drive through Akron, and one of the areas that we would drive through were projects. And when we would go through these projects, these young moms would send these little preschoolers and you know, three and four year olds, have them get on the bus without any adult. So my sister and I, who were in elementary school at that point, took upon ourselves to kind of like become big sisters to all these little kids. And we would take them to their Sunday school classes and I would say, now you wait here and we'll come back and we'll pick you up. And we would do that because there were multiple buses and these poor little children were, were by themselves. But I gotta tell you, that planted a seed in me yeah. for a love of children, which progressed into me becoming a pediatric nurse and working at Dayton Children's for 24 years. I would see my mom read her Bible, but she wasn't like a preachy kind of a lady, but we knew her faith was solid inside. My mom, I'll probably cry, so just know this. My mom died many years ago, way too young, when I was just a young mom. And sadly, my kids barely remember her. She suffered a horrific stroke, and only after two weeks was transferred 
to hospice, but she was in an unresponsive state. So it was, she had just been transferred a couple days before, and so it was planned that I would drive up on Friday, and my sister and I was going to spend the entire weekend with my mom. Now, if you know my mom, she liked to take good care of herself, so when I walked in that room and saw her in an unresponsive state, I looked at my sister and I said, Cheryl, there is no way mom would want to look like this right now. So I went out to that nurse's station. I said, hey, you have one of those trays that I could put under her head, and you pour, and you can wash their hair, and the water goes in the um, waste paper basket. We, we talked to my mom like she was right there. We laughed. We washed her hair. Blue dry her hair. We washed her body. Blue, we, we, we lotioned her body up. I, we curled her hair. And, you know, I'm like, Cheryl, you know, she's got that yucky taste in her mouth. And Cheryl goes, what are you going to do? I go, I'm getting that suction machine right now. And we, we brushed my mom's teeth. And, you know, she couldn't swallow. So I'm like, I'm like getting in there with that tube. My sister's like, are we going to be in trouble? I said, I don't care. Mom would want us to take care of her. So She was a nurse by yeah, now. When, when we were all done, we were all done. My mom looked absolutely beautiful. And I sat there. And now, mind you, we've, I've only been there maybe two and a half hours. And I had my hand on my mom's chest. I was just kind of like counting her respirations. And my sister was sitting across the room. And I was just talking to her and telling her how much I loved her and how much she meant to me. And um, I really was sad that she was in this state. And um, all of a sudden, she did that, you know. And then there was like not a breath. And then she did it again. And so I said, Cheryl, I think she's going. My sister literally fell out of the chair and I ran to get the nurse. And then the nurse came and, you know, was checking her pulse ox and doing some more detailed assessments. And my hand never left my mom's chest. And um, within a couple minutes, she breathed her last breath. And the nurse looked at me and she said, Joyce, she waited until you were there and she wanted her girls to be with her. And so um, it was very difficult, but throughout the years, I have missed my mom dearly, but I feel grateful that I was able to honor my mom all the way up until her very last breath. And uh, I hope I could give you a, a true snapshot of just the wonderful mother that I actually had. Yeah, she was. And to those of you who still have your mom on the planet, um, make sure that, that you don't leave things unsaid. Words of appreciation and validation and love. And if she's not nearby, you can text, you can FaceTime, you can call. But uh, one of the greatest gifts we can give to each other is just an expression of our love and how we value them, what difference they made in our lives. And uh, we thought we would uh, take that thought and pivot to the message we're starting a brand new sermon series. We just finished Extraordinary People, or Ordinary People, Extraordinary uh, Purpose, and now we're looking at an extraordinary Jesus who makes it all possible. So now through the summer, our hope is that we all fall in love more deeply with who Jesus is or maybe come to know him for the first time. And we thought on Mother's Day, we would look at extraordinary Jesus who had really an extraordinary mother. And we're going to look at Jesus' mom. If you have the app, you can follow along. And... Uh, as Joyce shared, as many of you have, uh, having those moments of being there with mom when she died. Um, I've talked to parents who've lost children, and they explained to me that it's an unnatural grief 
We expect to bury our parents, but not our kids. And Mary had that unnatural grief because uh, the first point, she couldn't protect Jesus, but she was there for him all the way to the end. And we look at the crucifixion account and in John chapter 19, verse 25, it says, therefore the soldiers did these things, crucified Jesus, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus then saw his mother, the disciple whom, Je- whom he loved standing nearby, that'd be John, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, to John, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. And so Jesus is saying, here's my best friend, Mom, he'll look after you, and vice versa, John, take care of my mom. And Mary was there with him, though, really through to the very end, how essential that was. You know, as parents, whether they're little or older, we want to protect them. We want to protect them from nasty people, from illnesses, from, from just things that could hurt our kids. But you know, the one thing that we all know as parents too, we can't always protect our kids. But you know what we can do is always pray. Mm -hmm. And I think being a mom has sent me to my knees more than anything else in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think we kind of get a false sense of security when our kids are little because you can protect them when they're this big, when they're this big. But as we grow older, we realize that prayer is so essential. And so be be that praying mom. And praying dead. The next thought is that imagine Jesus' reunion with his mom, and it can remind us of our own, uh, those of us who are anticipating that. In Matthew 28, this is right after the crucifixion a few days later, but imagine Mary's agony for the days that Jesus was in the tomb. She had no idea what was going to happen. And in 28.1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. You can read the resurrection account, but we can only imagine the embrace and the tears and the joy and the laughter as Mary was reunited with her son that she had felt she lost. Honestly, I cannot wait to see Johnny (laughs) again. I have missed her, and I have missed her learning about her grandkids. And uh, that reunion, you know, it's going to be great. (laughs) And uh, mom's, Mary models something that's not necessarily pleasant, but mom had to let go. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, listen to this. It's important to have the right perspective. You almost might get your feelings hurt. But it says, while Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, he's in a crowded place in a building inside, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And someone said to Jesus, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, Jesus wasn't diminishing Mary or his extended family, but he was really declaring and launching into his earthly ministry and making it clear that he came to declare the kingdom of God and the family of God. And our relationships were like family. And for many, our relationships in our spiritual family are even greater than those in our biological ones. So he was expanding that understanding. And Mary realized then that she had to kind of let go of her son. Well, he wasn't just hers. Two times in our lives where it was very difficult for me to let go was 
letting my kids go to kindergarten. Now, up to that point, I was working second shift, so my kids really didn't know that I worked because I'd put them down for a nap. I'd have someone come to the house, and then Stan was home when they'd get up. But, I mean, driving my kids and, you know, letting them into somebody else's hand every day of the week, I mean, that, whoo, I remember crying all the way home. And then fast forward to when we drove our kids out of state yeah. for college. That was another big one, especially with our son, who had just been uh, in the hospital diagnosed with a very serious illness. And he had gotten, I mean, I was with him, and it was very serious. He got out of the hospital on a Sunday, and now you're telling me I have to drive this kid to Missouri. 500 miles away on and Tuesday. say, okay, I mean, every mile that we were going further and further away from Dayton, I mean, the knots in my stomach. In fact, if you're on I-70, if you look closely, you can still see claw marks. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we get to Missouri, and, you know, we're having to find specialists, medical doctor, and I just, I just started breaking down. I said, Stan, I can't let him go. I cannot let him go. And, I mean, I, it, was, it was so traumatic to not only be letting him go to another state, but in the state that he was in. And I do remember doctor. his doctor saying to me, Joyce, you have to let him try. You cannot keep him back. If he can't handle it, he'll come back, but you have to let him go. Honestly, I, I think I had a nervous breakdown. I I'm not kidding. I cried <laughs> uh, and cried. I, fact, I was crying, like, inconsolably. That, that night I told Jonathan, you and I are just going to have a guy's night out, and Mom's going to stay in the room <laughs> and fall apart. But, yeah. you know, and thankfully, years later, he's fine now. But yeah. that, was a, that was difficult yeah. to let them go. And I think every mom identifies with that. Uh, but it is essential, and Mary modeled that for you. Uh, just talking family details, in Matthew 13, 55, when they were talking about Jesus... Uh, they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? So there you have four boys. Jesus is the oldest, that's five. Elsewhere, they talk about Jesus' sisters, plural. So he was one of at least seven kids. Uh, on top of that, uh, dad was a carpenter, so she was a, a, a wife of a skilled tradesman. And I'm sure that uh, being a domestic engineer, as we often call full-time moms, was phenomenally harder then. You didn't just run to the grocery store or stop off at wherever you buy the clothes. You tended to make it all, make it from scratch. There's no box mix of anything. So Mary had her work cut out for her. And I'm sure that if you talk to Jesus, he had his favorite foods. And I, I know for me, uh, now as an adult, if I go to a restaurant that they do serve like cabbage rolls, they're like five, six bucks a roll. I have eaten a fortune in cabbage rolls. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, my mom I had a whole bowl full, you know, so and have more. So, um, but uh, just family details. We often don't think about the family life uh, that Mary had to manage. And then let's talk about growing pains, and they're growing pains of an awareness of God's plan for His Son. And you see that in an interesting way in Luke chapter two. Think about how much fun this would have been, though, first of all, as a family celebration, a family tradition. In Luke 2, uh, verse 41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. So every year they would go with extended family, other friends. 
And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, all right? But supposing him to be in the caravan, okay? So again, you've got dozens of people traveling together with uh, all their supplies, their food, their, maybe they take their flocks with them and their, you know, donkeys and camels. And so this huge caravan, they thought he was in the caravan. They went a day's journey and they began looking for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. Can you imagine? Well, I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. And can you imagine Mary going to Joseph and saying, we lost the son of God. <laughs> We're in so much trouble. <laughs> but, but again, when they found Jesus, uh, you know, and after three days, they found him and they found him in the temple talking to the elders and they were confounded at his wisdom as a kid. And, and Jesus made this statement, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And that had to be one of those wow moments for Mary as she realized that he was on this planet for a larger purpose than hers. I don't know about you moms, but we had an incident in our house where I remember it, we were, I was shopping with Morin, and I don't remember what de department store, but you know, like, they would have the round um, clothes rack. Clothes rack. And Lauren thought it would be cute, you know, if she would start playing hide and seek. And for that split second, I couldn't find her. And I'd go, Lauren, Lauren, and she wouldn't come out. I had no idea. And you know the panic. How many moms have had that happen? Where yeah, you, you yeah. Go, Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to tell you what the will of God was at that moment when I finally got her. <laughs> I don't think she did it again. Um, that was a growing, a growing pain. That was a growing pain not for me. Um, but anyways, oh, my goodness, when those kids think they're being funny, like at three and four years old, and, you know, they're, they're just being independent and carefree and, and thinking they're, you know, that was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, Not could talk, we, could, we could talk all day about parenting. So, Mary was a reflective heart treasurer also. Uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, and imagine this scenario. So she's a young teenage woman. They got, engaged, got married younger. She's engaged to be married with all the dreams of getting married. I don't know if they had a shower back then, a big, big wedding ceremony. And then she'd someday get pregnant, have children, raise a family. And then all that gets flipped upside down. An angel appears to her and says, all the, the plans you had are not going to go that way. And, uh, and, and Mary's just dumbfounded by that. And, and then you have, the, you have the, the, the wise men make their way from the east, and they tell her about this star that's shining over the manger, and then the shepherds come and talk about seeing angels. And in verse 18, it says that, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So all those, and the verse before says, all who heard about the shepherds wondered at these things that were told them. And Mary pondered these things in her heart. And so Mary was a heart ponderer. She would reflect on things and kind of savor those memories. Uh, and we see that as a, as a key aspect that moms can do if you choose to. Getting ready for this Mother's Day weekend, we grabbed our boxes of pictures. And I'm, I'm old, I still like looking at pictures. And the Any baby I, boomers still yeah, like them on paper? I, um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I would hold these pictures and, you know, it would be of an event or a holiday or even I'd look at like cute little outfits or whatever and I was immediately taken yeah. right there. And, um, 
And I also, when I was going through these pictures, I came across a couple of myself, and I thought, oh my goodness, I, I really didn't, I wasn't half bad back then, and I thought, what was I insecure over? <laughs> you, were, you were quite hot, as, <laughs> as, as you are now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> went a little too far with that one. <laughs> that was not on the that script. That wasn't on the script at all. Though. But moms, do, do treasure those memories, whether anybody else does or not. Take a trip down memory lane. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself, and it's good for you. And then finally, uh, this really is uh, just a, a staggering thought, that Mary modeled a humble heart that surrendered to God. And again, in that moment when the angel is announcing to her God's plans that were not her plans at all, uh, Mary said to the angel, how can this be? How can I have a child since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. She still couldn't comprehend that. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth, that's her cousin, has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, and Elizabeth would give birth to John the Baptist. For nothing will be impossible with God. Would you say that? Nothing will be impossible with God. And then listen to this. This is why Mary was chosen in the first place as a righteous woman. Mary said, Behold the bond slave, that's a voluntary slave, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That young woman who had a heart that was submissive to God in spite of what her plans or dreams were must have modeled that submission, that obedience her whole life in a way that her son Jesus saw that because you fast forward 33 years in the final moments of Jesus' earthly life. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is praying to his heavenly father and he, he knows the fate that awaits him on Good Friday and he begs his heavenly father, if this can somehow pass from me, let it pass from me. But then you see the impact of, a, of an obedient mom and he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know, as a mom, it begins with praying for God's will, not your will, and that's hard. What do you sense God wants to do in your kid's life? Not just when they're little, but in their 20s, 30s, 40s. You know what my will is? My will is for my daughter to be living in Dayton. But that's or Cincinnati. Not, Cincinnati would be okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not God's will. Just as my mom had to say goodbye to me 40 years ago this month. Yeah, this month we moved to Dayton 40 years ago. She was unselfish. And even though we missed out on a lot of life together, she was willing to say, it's not about her will. It's about God's will. So that I could move to Dayton with my husband and we could be here serving you for 40 years. And I can visualize my mom in heaven. I don't know how, you know, Theologically correct this is, yeah. but I could see my mom going, Come on, kids, come on, Joyce, come on, Stan. You finish, finish the race. Yeah. And that's what it's about. And so, moms, a reminder that God's entrusted you in an amazing way. And one of the hardest things He's entrusted to you is to 
shape your son or daughter to hunger and thirst for his will. Hopefully there's lots of overlap in your schedule and your proximity and whatnot, but, but that our kids someday stand before the one who truly made them and, and God says, well done. And so we want to uh, close in prayer. Pastor Libby's going to pray for all of our moms, but before she does, uh, we have a song dedicated to all of the ladies here today. It's simply entitled, Mama. If it's somewhere I can't stay I don't know why God made growing up I guess that we're all gonna I don't know a lot of things But I know why God made mamas For the open arms to fall into For the when you don't know what to do For the phone call saying don't forget I'm always in your corner For the heart that makes a house a home For the knowing that you're not alone For the darling, don't you dare give up Even when you wanna Yeah, that's why God made mamas For putting band-aids on a scraped-up knee And wiping tears away For picking up the pieces When that dream don't go your way for always giving more than taking, always knowing what you need, and showing you the fighting's always best done on your knees. For the open arms to fall into, for the when you don't know what to do, for the phone call saying don't forget I'm always in your corner. For the heart that makes a house a home, for the knowing that you're not. Darling, don't you dare give up, even when you wanna. Yeah, that's why God made mamas. Oh, 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 oh. mama, mama. I don't know why God made living life down here so hard to do. But I know why God made mamas, cause he knew I needed you. Oh, 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 for the open arms to fall into, for the when you don't know what to do, for the phone call saying don't forget I'm always in your corner, for the heart that makes a house a home, and the knowing that you're not alone, for the darling don't you dare. much for coming today you look incredible and I love you and just appreciate our church family so very much 
And ladies, I want to remind you that outside the doors, you get a free gift today and someone will be there to give you one. And also, if you got the, uh, the little card on your loofahs, please remember to go to the VIP room to get your gift. And also, we have wonderful photo opportunities outside of this door and in the children's atrium. So ladies, would you please stand and I'd like to pray over you. Now, ladies, I loved hearing Joyce. She's so authentic, and I loved what she was sharing. And Pastor Stan, too. But I love hearing Joyce. And as they were talking, I was reminded of my mother. I am the youngest, and most of you know, of 17 children. And my mother, though, in my life, I only saw her angry maybe two times. So she was full of patience and kindness and taught me so much. But I was also blessed to have an aunt who had no children, but she spoke life into me. So I really had like two mothers. And then with all those older sisters, I had lots of moms and relatives that spoke life into me. And I want to encourage you, whatever, whatever situation you're in now, be a life speaker and make a difference in someone's life because your words can change a life forever. So be a life speaker, and I know that you'll do that. And whatever situation you're in, women, love Jesus and carry his word to those who need it. And let's pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you for each lady that's here today. I love them and appreciate them, but most of all, you love them, and they're treasured and they're valuable to you. And I pray that you would wrap your arms around them and no matter what situation they're going through, I know full well that there are women here today who are hurting. And God, along with the ones of us who have joy today, there's ones with pain. And we all walk that journey at times in our life. And I pray that you would be especially near and dear to them during this time. I pray for our children, grandchildren, most of all, that they would love Jesus Christ. At the end of it all, I want my son, my daughter-in-law, and my grandchildren to meet me in heaven. And let us as women live here so that they will meet us there. We love you. And may this be a glorious day in Jesus Christ for all these precious ladies. We give this day back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for coming, dear ladies.